Amen. Daniel chapter number two. If you're glad to be saved, say amen. amen. All right. Verse number one. Verse number one. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams. Dreams, plural, key, key, important. Wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans. Uh, the Chaldeans there were astrologers, okay? They were astrologers. People that were, were called that were heavy, heavily in that realm, astro- in, in deep in astrology. For to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream and we shall show the interpretation. They said, no problem. Just tell us what it is and we'll be glad to interpret it for you. But the king is smarter than they give him credit for. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the thing is gone from me. If ye will not make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made a dunghill. Yeah, that's a, that's a public bathroom, by the way. But if ye show the dream and the interpretation thereof, ye shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show the interpretation. It's like they didn't even hear what he said. The king answered and said, I know of certainty that you would gain the time because you see the things gone from me. But if you will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you. You, uh, for ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me till the time be changed. Therefore tell the dream and I shall know what that, or excuse me, I shall know that ye can show me the interpretation thereof. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, there is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asks such things as any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king requires, and there is none other that can show it before the king except the whose dwelling is not with flint. Well, they told the truth right there. They said, you'd have to be a god to be able to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Amen. For this cause, the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. There's only one problem. Daniel and his buddies is part of that crew. Okay, they're not in this meeting, but they are part of that group of people. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree so hasty from the king? Basically saying, what in the world is going on? And Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him what? And that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they should desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Let's stop right there and we'll pray, okay? 
Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for your, your, your wonderful, wonderful spirit. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for your Bible, the word that you've given us to learn and to grow and to be encouraged with. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for an opportunity to come with people who are hungry to, to, to learn and to, to study. Uh, Lord, it's a great crowd tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll bless now. Bless us. Help us to enjoy this study. Lord, I've enjoyed studying it, and I pray that I'll be able to enjoy delivering it. And Lord, I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Don't let me forget anything I should. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. If you're new tonight, and uh, you haven't been in the first part of uh, this series in the book of Daniel, Daniel is a young Hebrew. He has a couple buddies. He's got a couple buddies who is with him, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we know in Daniel chapter number one that they changed their name. They tried to change everything about them and corrupt them and basically brainwash them into becoming Chaldean. And we know that, that God allowed them to stand firm. Say amen. Now, they were taken against their will. They were taken against their will in the, in the first conquering of Jerusalem uh, by King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, they were taken and, and made slaves in, in the house of the king. And now here we find in chapter number two, Daniel is about 15, or excuse me, 18 years old now, probably 18 or 19 years old. Uh, he has spent several years being trained, uh, going through uh, the education of Babylon. And now he is in the king's court and he is labeled as one of the wise men. One of the wise men, one of the magi, if you will. How many of y'all remember the magi in the Christmas story and all of that's who we're talking about. Now, uh, in this, we know by chapter number one that Daniel, Daniel was found to be smarter, wiser. Daniel and his three, three amigos, if you will, amen. Uh, they were a, a lot better, a ton better than all the rest of them. God blessed them for their faithfulness. God blessed them for their courage. God blessed them for their stand. God blessed them for their commitment. And now we find the king is having some problems. All right. Uh, and so we'll jump right into the outline right off the bat, right in, 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 in the first few verses here. Number one, if you're taking notes, we find we find a distressed king. Write that down. We find a distressed king. The Bible says in verse number one, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. Now, I want you to write this, A, write down this first, his fear. Let's look at his fear. What's going on? What's going on? We're, we're going to get, we're going to have to skip a few verses. We're going to have to skip a few verses and, and get to verse number 29. And then we'll come back, okay? Because Daniel's telling what's happening and why he's afraid and why he's dreaming the dreams he's dreaming. In verse number 29, if you're there, say Amen. As for thee, O king, as for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. So what's happening? The king's going to bed, but he can't sleep. And he's thinking, and he's thinking, and he's thinking, and he's thinking. Has anybody ever had a thinking problem? Okay. Now, he's thinking, but what is he thinking about? What should come to pass hereafter? Here's, here's what it is. 
He has built a kingdom. He has a kingdom that is extraordinary, extraordinary, unbelievable. And we'll see in the dream, it is reflected in the, in the, in the head of gold. And, and I'm not going to get into too much detail of that because I want to, I want to have that by itself. And, and so we can really dig into that further. Uh, uh, but we'll just touch on it a little bit tonight, but he has an incredible amount of wealth. Some historian said that the city was of gold and he wanted it to be a city, Babylon, a city of gold, a city of splendor, a city that was spectacular, wanted a throne of gold. But here's the thing, much like most wealthy, wealthy people today, they cannot enjoy their wealth because they sit around thinking of who's going to get it and what's going to happen hereafter. How long will I be able to hold my throne? How long will I have my power? How long will I have my ability? Well, these things are just running over in his mind. He's thinking about the future. He's thinking about what's going to happen. How long am I going to have what, what I have accumulated and I have, I have gathered together. And, and so the more he thinks about this, the more he thinks about it, the more he's bothered by it. And now he's going to sleep. And the Bible says he begins to dream dreams. He begins to dream dreams, okay? And dreams is plural. So I believe it's the same dream, but he's dreamed it over and over and over. It keeps coming back and he keeps coming back. It keeps bothering him. And and he knows there's something going on. There's something to this. There's something significant about this. I need to know what this dream means. I need to know what's going on. And Daniel tells us in, in verse number 29, hey, king, God's just, you've been thinking about what's going to be hereafter. You, you're wanting to know what the future holds. Well, guess what? God's fixing to tell you. That's the whole point. That's what's got him into this distressing situation. So he's afraid. He is afraid is taking his sleep from him. He cannot sleep because every time he shuts his eyes, he sees this image. Every time he shuts his eyes, he sees this, this, this unbelievable picture in front of him. And now we see not only his fear, but write this down, B, write this down. We see his frustration, his frustration. He gets his best men. He gets his best men. And, and, and most likely he takes the Chaldeans and not the Jewish boys. Because we know the Jewish boys are better than the Chaldeans. Say amen. amen. So they're left out of the deal. And he takes his closest advisors. His, uh, his supposedly should be his most trusted advisors. But the only problem is, is he don't trust them. He said, boys, I've got a dream and I need you to tell me what this dream is and interpret it. They said, no problem, king. Tell us what the dream is and we'll interpret it. He said, that's going to be a problem. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you. Because he's suspecting, he's suspecting that they're just going to make something up. Because he, he says that. You're just going to lie to me. Now, if you can interpret it, you should be able to tell me what it is. Are y'all with me? So he's frustrated. He's frustrated. He don't know who he can trust. He don't know who he can believe. So he lays out, he lays out a requirement. He said in verse nine, but if you will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you. Watch this. 
For ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me. He knows. He knows. Well, they say we can't do it. So see, we see his fury. His fury, verse 12. Daniel chapter 2, verse 12. For this cause, the king was angry and very furious. And he commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. That's what I call a scorched earth policy. If you can't do it, I'm going to just kill all of them. Just done with it. Then number two. We see number one, a distressed king. Then number two, we see a disgraced team. A distressed king and a disgraced team. The whole team, gather them together. Get my magicians, get my my astrologers. Get all the people that own the payroll. They're fixing to earn their pay. But look at this. Verse 4 says, Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, or, or Arabic, O king, live forever. Tell the servants the dream and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the thing is gone from me. I truly believe, I truly believe that it was not gone from him. You don't have a reoccurring dream over and over and over and over and forget it. If it's keeping you up at night and you can't put your head down and you can't close your eyes without seeing it, you remember, but you don't trust him. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And he says, you're going to have to show me. You're going to have to tell me. He says in verse six, but if you show the dream and the interpretation thereof, you shall receive me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said, let the king tell his servants the dream. We will show the interpretation. See, they, it, it just right over the head. The king answered and said, I know of certainty that you would gain the time. He said, you're just stalling. You're just stalling. I know that you're just trying to gain extra time because you see this thing is gone from me. But if ye will not make known unto the dream, there's but one decree for you, for ye have prepared lying. Now he knows. Now he knows. They are, they are a bunch of fakes. And guess what? They were. They were. Let's just be honest. When it comes down to it, when it comes down to it, when the rubber meets the road, listen, uh, uh, everything this world has to offer is nothing but fake. This world does not have an answer to your problems. This world does not have an answer to the situation. This world does not have, there's never going to be peace on this earth till the Prince of Peace lands on it. Now look at this. Look what it says. Till the time be changed, therefore tell me the dream and I shall... I shall know that ye can show me the interpretations. I love this good, gracious, and mighty. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there's not a man on the earth that can show the king this matter. Therefore, there is no king nor ruler that asks such things at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. It is a rare thing that the king requireth, and there is none other that can show it before the king except the God, or excuse me, the gods. Keep in mind, they're pagan, so they have plurality of gods, uh, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Now, now, so basically what they're saying is, man, we can't even believe you're asking us this. 
This, this is not right. This is no, no king would ask something like this of his, of his court. This is, this is ridiculous. You would have to be a God to do this. That is the point. That is the point. Now we're going to see, we're going to see as we go through this book of Daniel and over overflowing and overlapping theme constantly that God is in control and that God is in charge. You're going to see the arrogancy of man in this book. You're going to see, you're going to see just cockiness and, and arrogant men. And you're going to see a God who humbles them. But the whole point, the whole point is that they, they can see that there is a God in heaven. Are y'all with me? Now watch, here's two things, two things about this team. They failed. We see their failure. Anything that's dependent on the ability of man will fail. The governments of this earth will fail. The plans of man, thank you, sir, will fail. Everything that man tries to produce will fail. Are y'all with me? Everything that you see happening in the Middle East right now, man has tried to bring peace in it. And every single time it has failed. failed. And it will. If you try to go, if you try to solve your problems with man's wisdom, with man's uh, advice, it's going to ultimately fail. There is not a man in the earth. They were right. They were right. Not only do we see their failure, but we see their future. Write that down. Their future. It's not going to end well. It's not going to end well. When, when he said that we will cut you in pieces and make your, basically saying, we're going to make your houses public restrooms. Guess what? He was going to. It will end bad. This is not going to end well. So they are in a bad, bad way. Now, the only problem is Daniel's part of that crew. Now, he wasn't in the meeting or he could have dealt with it at the time. He didn't even know about it. But the executioner had been sent, Arioch, he had been sent to kill them all. And he gets to Daniel and his three really gets to Daniel first. And then Daniel goes, tells his three buddies, but he gets to Daniel and said, I'm gonna have to kill you. He come to execute Daniel and Daniel said, would you mind telling me why? What, what's going on? What, what's the, what is, why is this such a, in such haste? What is the problem? And he begins to tell him what happened. He tells him the king has had dreams and the astrologers couldn't help him. They couldn't tell him. They couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't fulfill his request. And so the king has decreed that I must kill all of them. Now, Daniel says this. Daniel says, whoa. Let me go talk to the king. Because keep in mind, keep in mind he was on the king's court. If you go back to chapter number one, you know, the king, the king, the God has brought him into favor with the king. Now watch this. This is amazing. This is amazing. And by the way, number three is a determined servant. Write that down. A determined servant. 
I was going to put a desperate servant and it probably fit, but that didn't sound, that sounds kind of faithless. So I just put determined. Say amen. amen. Now watch this. Then Daniel went in, this is verse 16, verse 16. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him. All right. First a, we see his petition, his petition. Watch this. This is kind of cool. He said, King, I need some time. Do y'all remember? Do y'all remember what he, the king accused the astrologers of doing? Stalling. You just want more and you ain't going to get it. But when God's man walks in, Y'all see this? The only thing he did, the only thing he did was ask for the same thing that the astrologers and the magicians were looking for, but they didn't get it. But Daniel did. Why? The Bible says when your ways please the Lord, he maketh even your enemies to be at peace with you. It pays to serve God. It pays to, listen, to stay committed. It, it, it pays to be what God wants you to be. Because when God's hand on you, I, I heard Brother Buster, not Brother Buster, Brother Rufus said it this way. Listen, if you're in God's will, the, the devil's gunpowder can't burn till God's through with you. He said, I need some time. I need some time. And you know what the king said? Okay. Okay. If you will give me some time, King, I'll give you the interpretation. Now that took some, that took some guts. That took some guts. That took some faith. I believe he knew. I believe he knew that God could without a doubt, without a question. He knew that God could. Now there's a lot of things I know God can. I'm just wondering, will he? Does anybody struggle like that? I, I do. There's, I know God can do anything. I'm just wondering if he's going to. But he had faith. He knew this was an opportunity. This was an opportunity for God to show himself again. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now watch, we see his petition. Then, then B, we see his pattern, his pattern. Look at verse 17. After he asked for time, give me a little bit of time. He said, then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret. That Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. He said, boys, it's time to pray. What is this pattern? It's a pattern of prayer. But not just prayer, ladies and gentlemen, not just prayer, but partnership in prayer. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. They're all involved in it because they were going to be killed too. But he said, we need to pray. We need to go to God. We need to go to God. Say it with me. We need to. Do you remember? Do you remember when the, when the disciples, you remember when the disciples in the book of Acts was threatened? They were arrested right after, right after uh, uh, Peter and John was going into the temple in the hour of prayer and the lame man was there. Y'all remember when, when they healed him and, and caused this great commotion and Peter starts preaching and man, a bunch of them believe, but they threaten him. So don't be preaching in his name anymore. Don't preach no more. Threaten them. And they, they went and left them. And the Bible says the first thing they did is they went to their own company. 
What does that mean? They went to the believers. They went back to the church and they reported the threats. They reported what was happening. And you know what they did? They petitioned the governor. No. They, 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 they put on a march. They gathered, they gathered signatures. No. The Bible says they prayed. They said, God, you made everything. You are in charge. You are the boss. And behold their threatenings. Behold their threatenings. In other words, listen to what they're doing. And give unto thy servants boldness. Boldness. He didn't say make them stop. Did y'all catch that? See, it's a two part thing. He said, behold the threats. He said, this is your problem. We're not even going to talk about it anymore. I'm not even, I don't even care how you handle that part, God. That's your problem. Their threats is your problem. We just want boldness to do what you called us to do. You know what you need to do? You need to take their threats to God and don't worry about it no more and say, God, I need some strength. I need wisdom. I need boldness to fulfill the calling you put in my life. And don't think another minute about any threats. Somebody say amen. Amen. And they went to God and began to pray and pray. And guess what? God answered their prayer. God answered their prayer. Look at this. We see his petition, his pattern. He said, let's boy, this time to pray. And I'm going to tell you, if you're fixing to get cut into pieces, that's motivation to pray. Do I have an Amen. But watch this, verse 19. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. He just got, he just went into worship mode. I I, I guess I would too. Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and the seasons. Now, if you, if, if you are allowed to write in your Bible, underline this. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. This is going to be a theme through the whole book. But it's especially going to be a truth that's found in the dream. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. Now, now why do we need to really get that? Because we, we, we have a tendency to lose our mind when it comes election time. Especially if our guy don't get in. But here's what you got to understand. Whoever gets in, he put them there. He sets them up and he takes them down. Now, I don't like, I don't, they've been several I didn't like. I don't like much of any of them. But I'm going to tell you this right now. All of them are doing nothing but fulfilling a plan. They're just fulfilling a plan. God is up in heaven pulling the strings and whatever they do, he, they are doing it at his bidding to fulfill his will, to fulfill and accomplish his plan. Because we're going to get to the dream here in a second. 
If we hurry, man, that clock's going fast. I ain't lying. We're, we're going we're gonna to get to that, and you're going to find out. God knows how all this is going to end. He knows everything that's going to happen. And even though that king thinks he's pulling the strings, he has no idea they're tied to his own wrists. And here's what happens. Daniel begins to praise God. Now, here's the truth I want before we even go any further. When we do pray in earnest, and there's been times, there's been times we really, really, really prayed hard, really prayed hard. And there's times, there's times when God answers our prayer like we asked. There are. And there's sometimes that God doesn't answer our prayers like we asked. He answers them, but not how we asked. But I'm going to tell you this, every time he is right. Now, we don't understand that. And, and, and I'm not even going to try to explain that because there's no way our finite mind means limited can understand an infinite God who is unlimited. But he does all things to bring him glory. Now, here's the thing. We need to be just as quick. We need to be just as quick and just as sincere and just as zealous to praise him when he answers our prayer. I think sometimes we beg God and beg God and beg God and, you know, we beg him a hundred times and we thank him one. I think we need to change that. I think we need to, we need to be as excited. We need to be as zealous with our praise as we are our prayer. And I see that in this chapter, man, he begins to praise God and glorify God and give him the credit and give him the honor that he does justly deserve. So we see his petition, his pattern, his praise, verses 19 through 23. Then we see his presentation. We see his presentation. When he figures out, when he figures out what the dream is, when God reveals that to him, Daniel goes to Arioch. Keep in mind, keep in mind, Arioch is, is responsible. He's the executioner. He's the one that's is sent out to go and kill all of these men, right? Are y'all still with me? Y'all still awake? So Daniel finds him first. Said, "Hey, hey, I got it, I got it. Just, just, just get me to the king." Verse twenty-four. Therefore, Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, destroy not the wise men of Babylon, bring me in before the king and I will show unto the king the interpretation. So who found who? Who found who there? Daniel found Arioch. Now watch. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said unto him, I have found a man. Anyway, I, I thought that was kind of funny. Man, taking credit for it, you know, I mean, y'all, y'all have no sense of humor when you read your Bible. I got him. I found him. And, and, and good old Daniel, he's okay with that. You're going to see how okay he is with that when we get a little further. His presentation. And Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah 
that will make known unto the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king. I love this. The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. In other words, if you're looking at them, you're wasting your time because they can't do it. Man cannot do this. But verse 28, but but there is a God in heaven. Now, if we'll go back to verse 10, I think it is. Verse 10, the Chaldeans said, there ain't a man on earth when they were before the king. When Daniel gets before the king, he said, there is a God in heaven. Now, about three of you are getting it. Let me try it again. The Chaldeans said, there ain't a man on earth that can do this. But Daniel said, there's a God in heaven. Listen, when... When there ain't a man on earth who can help you or solve your problem or fix your situation, honey, there is a God in heaven. And when man fails and when man falters, when man falls by the wayside, there is a God in heaven who can make it happen. Man, I love that. I just kept going back from verse 10 to this verse and verse 10. There ain't a man. There is a God. You'd have to be a God to be able to do this. Daniel said, that's right. You're right. See, God, God has a way he did. Hey, he did it with the magicians in Egypt. God loves, God loves, loves to show himself real in front of puny men who think they something. He loves to do that. Look what it says. Look what it says. Let me, let me hurry. Let me hurry. There is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the King Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. And then he begins to say, as for the old king, now he tells them this is what started this. He, God, God gave him the whole thing. He didn't just give him the dream and the interpretation of it. He showed him what began the problem to begin with. He said, King, when you were sitting around thinking about what's going to happen in the future, that's what that means in verse 29. God decided to show you. And that's what this dream is about. But watch this. I love this. Verse 30. But as for me... <clears throat> What did, what did Ariok do when he come in? He tried to take credit. Yeah. I found somebody. Watch Daniel. But as for me, this, is, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any other, other living. You know what Daniel's saying? King, you need to know something. I'm just a man. I'm not smart. I don't have, I don't have any more ability or any wisdom that any of these other guys have. 
You know what he's doing? He's making sure he understands that God gets all the glory. Did y'all see that? He's saying, I'm just a man. I'm just a man. But there is a God in heaven. You, 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 let me tell you why I think that God did so much for Daniel. Because Daniel had no problem telling people where it come from. I think God is struggling. I say struggling. That's a poor reference to saying God. But God limits himself in what he will do for a lot of people because he knows who's going to try to take the credit for it. And Daniel was saying, I'm just a man. First, he says, first, he says, back up. And I'm just I just put these little notes that stood out to me in these couple verses. First, I put beside the presentation, I put this with man. This is impossible. That's verse 27. Daniel answered in the presence of the king. He said that the, the, the wise men can't do this. The astrologers can't do this. The magicians and the soothsayers. They can't do it. With man, this is impossible. Then I put, there is a God in heaven who can. Amen. Then number three, I put, I'm just a man. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. This is not about me. This is not about me. He was humble. He was humble and he gave God all the glory. This is all about God. This is all about God. Uh, Willie, I hate to bother you again, but can you get me one of them tissues? I got to stay in my camera. I hate for them not to see somebody in the, in the view. It's how much I love you guys. I, I really got to have a, a tissue. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. My allergies are getting me. All right. Thank you. <clears throat> now let's, let's, let's get into the dream. Let's get into the dream. Now don't get, don't get all jacked up about the dream yet. Cause we're going to go really in depth in it later, but, but we'll, we'll, we'll kind of have a bird's eye view tonight. Somebody say, amen. amen. He says, but, but as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king that thou mightest know the thoughts of thine heart. Thou, O king, sawest behold a great image. This great image whose brightness was excellent. In other words, this was an incredible, incredible sight. It stood before thee in the form thereof was terrible. The word terrible there means frightening. It was to the point it, 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 it would cause fear. It would cause fear. He said, this image was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet, part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon the feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver and the gold broken to pieces together and become like the chaff of the summer, the threshing floors and the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. The stone hit the feet and crushed the feet, destroyed the feet, but ultimately destroyed the whole image, destroyed the whole image. This is the dream. Now that's the dream. That's what he saw. Over and over. 
He saw this image. He saw the different, the different uh, uh, metals, if you will, a part of this image. It was bright. It was brilliant. It was massive. It was frightening. He said, now here is the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory. Well, let's do this. Let me give you the, let me give you the, the, the points as we go. Number four, we see a dream interpreted. A dream interpreted. The introduction. The introduction. Verses 29 and 30. And I done told you what that was, so. We see the king is, is bothered about the future. He's wondering what's going to happen to his kingdom. And so God decides to show him. God decides to show him. Then B, we see the image. I've got a picture. Was Daniel able to get that picture? I, I, I hope he did. This is kind of an artist, artist rendition of a statue uh, an image there and the head is gold and then silver and then bronze and then iron. You see what this is basically what it looked like to him. Now he could see it. And then there was a stone that came and obliterated all of it. But what was it about? What did it mean? He knew it was significant because he was having it over and over and over. And so now he begins to interpret it. He says, O king, and that, that picture there, that picture, it's, it, it doesn't really, it, it, the gold don't shine like it needs to. The gold was brilliant. It was just unbelievably shiny and, and, and attractive. And, and, uh, and we'll, go into, we'll go into a whole lot more of it next week. But the image itself, then we see the interpretation. The interpretation, verses 36 through, through 45. This is the dream. And we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. Do you see what he's doing? Over and over, he reminds him, this ain't about you either. This is not about me. This is not about you. This is about there is a God in heaven. Thou art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. gold. All right. King, this is about you. This is about your kingdom, the Babylonian kingdom. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things. And as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. There's not much, there's not much description given of the second kingdom, but there is a little bit more of the third and a lot more of the fourth. And whereas, whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay, part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it of the strength of the iron for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. 
Whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men and they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings, the ten toes, the ten toes, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Say amen. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand. Say it with me. For as much as thou sawest that stone was cut out of the mountain without hands. That means it doesn't, it, it didn't come from man. Man didn't have the ability to produce this. This is a God thing. And that it break in pieces, the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, the gold, the great God hath made known. Here it is. Underline this, underline this. The great God has made known to the king what shall come to pass here, hereafter. Okay, that's the key. That's the key. Now, as we go down, let me describe this. But before we do, I want you to read the verse. I want you to read the verse to help you understand what we're dealing with. Luke 21, Luke 21, 24 should be in your notes. Y'all got that? Say amen. amen. It says in Luke 21, 24. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now, preacher, what are the times of the Gentiles? The times of the Gentiles began when Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem. Then at that point, you see, just look at me. Look at me. Everybody look at me. I got 12 minutes. I got to go fast. It was God's plan. It was God's desire for the nation of Israel to be a light to the whole world. It was God's desire to be the king, to lead the, the world through the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel was to influence the world and, and, and witness to the world, be a light to the world. But all they did was close the world out, become a clique and became idolatrous and wicked. And God cut them off. God cut them off. They were once a great nation. They were once a great power. They were once a great influence. And, and listen, nations all over the world came to see the glory of Israel and the glory of the God of Israel. Listen, people would hear about the wisdom of Solomon. The queen of Sheba came because she just could not believe everything she was hearing. All of the wisdom and all of the glory. And she spent a little time with Solomon. And the Bible says it took her breath away. The half has not been told of all the glory. All the men, when, when she saw Solomon's house, but then when she saw God's house, I mean, she saw temples before she's been in, in pagan countries and there's been temples all over, but there was never been a temple that had a glory cloud in it. Man, what a representation of God, what glory and what honor. This is what God intended to be a light to come and to know the God of the earth. But because of their sin and because of their wickedness, they were judged. And from the point, from the time of Nebuchadnezzar's conquering of Jerusalem, the time of the Gentiles began. From that point on, there would not be there would not be Jewish influence. There would not be Jewish rule. 
but the Gentiles would rule the world. And what he is seeing and what God is showing him, beginning with Nebuchadnezzar, the rule of the Gentiles, till the king of the Jews comes back. There's going to be four. There's going to be four. And when I say four, there's really five, but the fifth is just a revision of the fourth. Different Gentile world rulers. Different Gentile empires, if you will, that will cover the biggest part of the world. The first, he says, is you, king. You're the head of gold. And like I said, I'm not going to go into it much, but I want to talk about the houses and, and, the, and, and all the wealth and riches. But it was, a, it, was, it was something to behold. He said, Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head. But there's going to come, there's going to come a group of people after you. It's going to be inferior to you. We see, did y'all notice how the metals began to be less valuable from gold to silver to brass to, to iron? But notice this, they didn't, they didn't just decrease in value, but they increased in strength. Gold is nowhere near as strong and powerful as iron. So let's go through the, let's go through the, let's go through the kingdoms and, and, and then we'll finish up. We'll finish up. Let's, let's look, can we, get the, can we get the slide back up there? Can we get the picture up there? We see the head of gold, that's right. The head of gold is the kingdom of Babylon. Then we have the chest and arms of silver, which is the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. We're going to learn about Darius. Uh, we're going to learn in just a few chapters that, that, that Babylon doesn't last forever. Matter of fact, it's one of the shortest lived ones here. If you, if you want to write this down, I don't think I put it. Did I put the dates in there in yours? Okay, 605 to 539 B.C. If you care about that, you can write that down beside the gold, the Babylonian Empire, 605 to 539 B.C. The Medo-Persian Empire was 539 to 331 B.C. The bronze or the brass is the Greek Empire. This is... This is Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great. You see what it says about that? Which shall bear rule over all the earth. He had the largest of any of them. Then we see the iron, which is definitely the Roman Empire. Did I give you the, did I give you the Greek? 331 to 168 BC. 331 to 168 BC. The Roman Empire, 168 B.C. to 476 A.D. It was the longest lasting. Many of the legions of Rome were called the Iron Legions of Rome. They were very powerful, very cruel. Then there's a mixed iron and clay. The mixed iron and clay, this is the Antichrist kingdom. We're going to see the ten toes, the ten kings, the ten confederation. And it's described as ten horns. And, and, and remember I said, remember I said, Daniel is the old Testament equivalent of what revelation. revelation. Both of them have to do with prophetic, uh, uh, prophetic revelation and utterance. And it's the, the same thing that he is seeing here is described in a little different way in revelation. And then, then a little different way in the rest of this and later on in this same book. And we'll, we'll get to that. This is from 476 AD. Cause see, I've, I've, I've heard it described this way. The Roman Empire has not ended. It's just smoldering right now. It's just, it's not political, it's religious. 
and it's still smoldering, but it's going to revive. And the Antichrist is going to come out of the revived Roman Empire. And, and listen, then we see the stone is Christ and his kingdom. Christ and his kingdom, the stone. And what does the stone do? What, well, uh, you, you, you don't remember, so I'm going to re- read it again. Look what it says. Look what it says. Let's see what chapter. Here we go. Verse 42. No, let me back up. Verse 34. Verse 34. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands. That means without human, without human uh, means, without human ability. This was a God thing. This was a God thing. This is Jesus coming to this earth, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. That is when, that is when that Jesus is going to come back and destroy the Antichrist. The Bible says he that now led us will let until he be taken out of the way. And that, and then he will appear and then shall he come talking about the Antichrist whom the Lord shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Say amen. Now here's the deal. Here's the deal. What ultimately happens? What ultimately happens? It crushes the toes. He destroys the toes. But in the, in the vision, in the image, ultimately all of it is destroyed. The iron is destroyed. The silver is destroyed. The, the gold is destroyed. Now, here's what I want you to understand. This whole image represents the rule of humanity. The rule of humanity. Everything man touches dies. Everything that man is involved in digresses. It went from gold to silver to brass to iron to clay that's mixed, basically mud. Everything that man touches, everything that man is involved in. Listen, God gave us an awesome, perfect planet and we have almost destroyed it. And everything man touches, whether it's the economy, whether it's government, whether it's religion, whether it's society, whether it's culture, anything man is involved in, he makes a mess of it. But there is one coming who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the prince of heaven and he will destroy it all. And man will no longer be in charge. Man will no longer be in rule. He will, he will become a mountain. This in Jerusalem will be the capital of the world. And that is when it will say the government shall be upon his shoulder. He shall be called wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the prince of peace. Somebody say amen. And all nations will bow down. And he will. Hallelujah. That's good stuff. Amen. Now we can't go too much in that because I only got three minutes left. So we're going next week. We're going to go into detail about the Babylonian Empire and the in the in the uh, uh, Medo Persian Empire in the uh, uh, the the Grecian uh, Alexander the Great in in the Roman Empire. But thank God for God's kingdom, which shall never end. Listen. Oh, I got to give you one more, don't I? I forgot about that one. We see a divine experience. Hurry, hurry, two minutes. A divine experience. Then Daniel went, excuse me, let me, let me get back over here where I was. <clears throat> then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and worshiped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. 
The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Then, aren't you glad Daniel didn't forget his buddies? If somebody helps you and is a blessing to you, you need to remember them. Then Daniel requested of the king and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. He had the highest office. We see three things. First, we see the praise. Now we know Daniel's not going to take it or receive it because he's got a heart of humility. But when you help somebody with a problem, they'll praise you. Then we see the provision, verse 48. He stacked him up. Then verse 49, we see the promotion. The praise, the provision, the promotion. Now, what do we need to take from this? We've got one minute. If you see the executioner, don't lose your mind. Now, everybody look at me and say, you go to shutting your books and you don't listen no more. I'm going to put a bunch of fake blanks right below it so you'll, know, so you'll just keep listening. When you see a tragedy, when you see a end of the world type thing, I mean, he's standing there with his blade. He's going to cut him in pieces. Just know God may be up to something. Now, you, you, you may have to be like the children of Israel. You may be, have to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and say, our God can. But if he don't, we still ain't bowing. But the problems you face may be an opportunity for God to promote you. The situation you go through may break your heart, make you cry and hurt your feelings and just really bend you out of shape. But it may be God taking you through a situation for you to learn something you didn't know before to make it better. Now, when they saw that decree, I'm going to tell you, that looked like the end of the world. But God had a plan. And all God's people see it. Let's stand. Let's stand. We'll learn some more about these kingdoms next week. <clears throat> Keep in mind, if you leave with anything, leave with this. There's not a man on the earth. But there is a God in heaven. Amen. Amen. Amen.